Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. (laughs) He's going to have the mic way out there. Are we rolling yet? We are rolling. Sweet. Michael Landris. Good morning, Dennis. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. Welcome to Connected by Water. Thank you. Very impressive place you got here. Thank you very much. I like your new digs for sure. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's home. Very nice. So tell me, how are we connected by water? Well, Dennis, I was thinking about that on the drive down from Boynton. And uh, I think we've been connected by water for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's about when we brought you aboard to start doing some artwork for our Boynton Beach Fire Rescue Fishing Tournament t-shirts. And um, very impressed with your artwork. The very first shirt that you did uh, was one of our top sellers. And then I think we've used you for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you visited with BC Wit a couple times going over concepts and what we were, what direction we were moving toward. And, um, I got to actually meet you in some of those conversations. So, um, uh, we've got a pretty good history being connected by water. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you know, I'm a, I'm a wannabe artist. At one time I did cartooning and, uh, tried to try to get syndicated in the newspapers, but that's a tough gig. But, uh, so we've got a lot more than just connected by water. I think there's a lot of artistic stuff that we have in common as well. So yeah, it's, that's, that's it's, cool. I think that's really where we connect the most and is is creatively. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's, it's, you know, when you say you've got an, you have an emotional need to create, people look at you kind of funny, but I think both you and I, we have that trait, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's yeah. an innate quality, I think. So, um, I kind of morphed away from doing the cartooning because I just didn't have the time that it took to sit down and do it. So I started writing more in my free time and that's kind of where my arts progressed to is, is writing. But, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a pleasure knowing you for the last 10 years and I hope we're, we're friends for many more years to come. No, I agree. Um, you know, I think one of the interesting things about you is that you look at things from a very soulful approach, like all the time. Like, you know, every time I talk to you or every time you're posting something up, even about one of your photos, you're not just posting a picture. You go on and you tell a whole story about how that you felt when you took that photo and how that, you know, the whole thing affected like your day or your moment or your life. And, you know, 
Well, again, that yeah, that's that emotional need to create. I mean, they, they always say a picture is worth a thousand words, but I've got more words that I want to go with that picture. And I, I try not to just can show a picture, but the story behind the picture. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of the friends on Facebook, they don't necessarily, some of them are landlocked. They've never been offshore. Mm-hmm. It's something as easy as a Dorado or mahi-mahi or dolphin fish. They don't understand. They think a dolphin is a, is a porpoise, is flippers. So uh, I try to explain my pictures on Facebook in that context, and that's kind of where I'm coming from when I'm doing that. Uh, some people think I'm long-winded uh, writing, and, and probably I am. And um, a lot of people, the younger people, have moved to Instagram, and they're off Facebook because, you know, there's the long posts on Facebook. But uh, I like the... Uh, I like the social media platform, and I'm going to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, your work's come a long way. I mean, you know, it, it's really, I mean, it's been interesting to see um, your photography evolve since when you started going on board with Captain Chris Lemieux. And, um, <laughs> we'll do charters. Yep. Yeah, to where your work's you know, ending up now, um, being completely published, like, all over the place now. And it's, it's been really great to see, you know, the, the success of all that, of those efforts. Right. Well, if you would have told me 10 years ago I would be published in a magazine, either with a story or photograph and getting paid for it, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, seems like I've always had this innate ability to re, uh, reinvent myself. And since I retired from the fire department last October, you know, I'm working toward that stuff, stuff to keep me busy. But uh, just to back up a little bit with Chris, just as I've known you for 10 years, I started fishing with Chris about 10 years ago. And the first time I went offshore with him, uh, I brought a little Canon Super Sport, the kind of camera that would go mm-hmm. in your pocket. Well, I got the tail end of a selfish pick just to tell his head. He came up, we hooked him and he did his thing and raced around the boat at 68 miles an hour. There's no way I could capture it, but... I captured one fleeting glimpse of him at the boat. I went home, and I looked at the picture. I downloaded the picture, and uh, I was hooked. Addicted. I was addicted. Instantly. I, instantly. It's, it's, uh, I want to enjoy the trip even after the trip is over, and the best mm-hmm. way to do that is through photography. So then I graduated and started uh, graduated from the Canon Super Sport and started getting into the Nikon and the better cameras, and I've just been having a blast with it. So about been doing it about 10 years now. Pelagic imagery is what I call myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's better to go by your name. I think you taught me that one time. You really should be, your name should be first instead of a, you know, plagic imagery out there. But uh, we, we toyed around with a design on a, on a logo. But uh, anyway, he, he kind of got me hooked on that. On, you mm-hmm. know, that, that day hooked me with the photography, and I've been doing it ever since. And uh, like I said, if you would have told me 10 years later I, I might be getting paid doing something that I really love like that, I, would, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Isn't that crazy, though? Like, it, it, just to get paid for your creative work, like for your passion. It, it is. It's it's really the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get a little giddy. You see your words in print in a magazine. You see your mm-hmm. first photograph. Um, it's it's uh, really a great feeling. Now, my next goal is to have a picture on a cover of one of mm-hmm. these magazines. Uh, working with Florida Sport Fishing Magazine and um, Steve Doherty, who's a who's a great guy, great editor. Yeah, Steve's phenomenal. Um, if he's listening, I'd like to maybe have the opportunity to do a cover <laughs> shot, <to> Steve. <laughs> so anyway, it's uh, it's uh, you know, the ability to reinvent oneself in life is is very important, and I'm at that stage right now where I'm 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 doing that. So I have I, a quote. I have a quote in front of me about that. Being that you're, um, we'll get to the beard in a minute. <laughs> the elephant in the room the beard um so we'll uh, i got a quote here that kind of speaks to that um let me see which one is it here 
There is nothing noble in being superior to your fellow men. True nobility lies in being superior to your former self. Right? And that's a quote from one of our guys, the Ernest Hemingway. Right. Some people may have heard of him. Right. Yeah. Um, so that kind of th- that speaks a little bit to about what you're going through right now in your transitions. And for, for those of you who don't know, um, Michael's a very decorated gentleman uh, from the Boynton Firefighter uh, Department. Um, is also an EMT and, um, you know, has, has had a fantastic, uh, well-respected career uh, in that field. So now he's retired and on to writing and doing photography full time. So true nobility lies in being superior to your former self. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I think that quote, I think what Hemingway is trying to convey in that code is, uh, always be humble, you know, uh, um, Maybe you're not proud of some of the things that you've done in the past, and Hemingway probably certainly wasn't. But uh, I, I think I think it's all about being humble, and especially to your fellow man. The first sentence of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, never think that you're above anybody else, but but be humble. Um, you're right. I spent 20 years at Boynton Beach Fire Rescue Department. I'm a firefighter paramedic. I um, uh, retired in October of last year as the division chief of EMS. Very very proud of that um, fact. And uh, very proud of the career that I had there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you should be, and we're proud of you. But, uh, Seriously, proud to call you my friend. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, and uh, I have no inclination getting back into the fire service, even though some of my buddies that are working at other departments now that retired with me, um, I've kind of scoffed that off and said, no, no, I don't think that I want to do that. Not even in Those a con- guys, they're going back in? Yes. Um, really? I, yeah. Matter of fact, one of the guys that I... Uh, uh, retired with, I've uh, known for 22 years, uh, Thomas Murphy Jr. Um, he retired with us just about six, eight months before I did. And he landed in Haines City. He's the deputy chief up in Haines City, which is kind of in the middle of the state of Florida. Where mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't have no, first of all, they have no ocean. They have no sea breeze. And it's sweltering hot there. And he's trying to corral me and get me up there. But I'm just kind of, an, I've been reluctant. And I just, just don't know that I could get back into that, yeah. uh, into the business. Well, I you think know. you've made a pretty good transition here. Yeah, I think you so. Know, I mean, I, a lot of guys don't make as successful of a transition, I think, that you're making currently. Right. You know. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I'm the luckiest. I sit funnier here. I'm the luckiest man in the world, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have the career I did at the fire department, to be able to retire at 56 years old. Uh, I know how fortunate that I am. So yeah. I, I think that, that part of my life I'm going to put behind me. You know, and, and, and move forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you got two amazing kids. I do. Like, uh, really, I mean, when I say that, I mean, you have two amazing kids. I'm very, very proud of my sons. Um, of course, their mother, you know, we're, we're divorced, but she had a lot to do with that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest, Zachary, is a, uh, he's working on his master's degree in mechanical engineering and a minoring in music at the University of Florida. Um, and my youngest just completed his first year. You'll be happy to know mm-hmm. at FSU. Yep. Uh, he made the Dean's dun, list dun, dun, first dun, year. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a bit of a split household with the How boys. How do you feel about that, John? We got a hurricane in the corner there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I call him John John in the corner. I don't know if he's going to, I don't know if he likes that title though. I don't mind. It's there. whatever. That's well, you know, Kane's, uh, university of Miami offered Zach a scholarship, um, mm-hmm. uh, at a high school. Uh, he wanted to double major, and it was like almost impossible for him to double major at UM. 
uh, it was going to be about seven, eight years. And then the cost factor, you know, the, the uh, scholarship was going to run out before he was yeah. going to be able to yeah. do the double major. So he made the decision, well, you know, let's, let's go to Florida. They want me to. So yeah, that's kind of how he ended up wow. at, at UF. So, but, uh, very, very proud of the boys. Yeah. They're, they're great guys. Great, great young men. That reminds me of, um, your said movie better off dead. Oh. Was the character Booger from the Nerds, Revenge of the Nerds? Was it better <laughs> off that? And he goes, he goes you, know, you listen to me. I've been going to the school for seven years. I'm no dummy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, listen, you're a hero in my mind. No doubt about it. All right. But you're also an inspiration to me um, because. You know, a lot of people can be well-known and, you know, established and blah, blah, blah. But this is like part two for you. And from where you've come in a very short period of time, it's impressive. But I know how you've done it. You've done it with your heart. And that's really the way to create, in my mind. You got to do it because you just love it. You got to do it because it's it, it's kind of like you have that need to do it. Um, and it, it's really been interesting because I, I know it goes behind you know, your work and the passion and just how much it means to you now to be where you're at. Um, so we recently worked on a project together um, in Florida Sports Fishing Magazine. That's we're, we're Actually, it's a three-part series, so we're in the middle of the project. Right. Um, and I'm proud and honored to be working on it with you, for sure. So you want to talk about the first story here? I do. Um, uh, I did a trilogy um, about a Cuban-American fisherman, 88 years old. His name is uh, Baja Torres. Um, first installment is called The Gladiator of the Sea. And uh, when I was writing the story, I couldn't imagine anybody else illustrating it but you, um, Dennis. Um, and it, it, it's, it was kind of long-winded for the magazine, had it to be edited down, but, you know, uh, that's what editors do. Um, uh, but a very interesting story uh, with a twist. Uh, it's no secret I was influ- influenced by Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man and the Sea. Mm-hmm. I read that when I was like in seventh grade. The problem with it was, is he didn't write any other stories about fishing. So I said, well, shoot, I need more. I want to read more. Right. So I started developing a style and, and started writing um, micro fiction type stories, short stories. And uh, I do a lot of nonfiction as well, but I really like the, the fiction stories. So that's kind of where it came, came about. But my story, um, the first story, uh, is uh, Baja's battling a 700-pound swordfish, I believe it is, and then a menacing Mako shark makes an appearance. So we'll just leave it at that, let the readers buy that mm-hmm. magazine and, and see maybe there's a twist at the end of that story. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. But in uh, the, uh, the next featured article or story, short story, to add on to Baja's adventures, um, I think he's going to be tangling with a big uh, weed mat out there in the, uh, the big blue. and uh, mm-hmm. It's called the Asylum. The asylum is where all the uh, the bait fish gather and hide, and that's yep. their protection, their asylum. So that might be a fun story, and I can't wait to see your illustration for that. It's coming shortly. Maybe you can show it to me today when we get out <laughs> of the studio. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> okay. We'll see. Um, so are you, when you're out there, because you, you do a lot of fishing with Chris. Yeah. And you're on board a lot. Um, you know, and it seems like every day I'm turning around and you're fishing. Um, I mean, are you you're writing these stories in your head? Like when you're out there, I mean, I, I do. I don't take a notepad because it's impossible to yeah. ride on a boat. Um, I, I I always remember a funny quote or something one of the guys will say, 
uh, we took, I sword fished with Chris back in March and he had some clients from Connecticut, a real rough bunch and, uh, funny guys. And one of the guys said, you know, the sword fishing is like, uh, uh it's like watching paint dry, but, but mm-hmm. paint eventually dries, right. you know, paint we still dries. haven't gotten a bite yep. and it's, it's little things like that that you pick up on and you, I get home and I jot that down, you know, and then it's just a chronological order of the events that happened. So writing the sto- fish stories about you know, the uh, nonfiction, it's, it, th- that's really, really easy for me. Mm-hmm. And then I just try to embellish it, embellish it with as many adjectives as I right. possibly can. My goal is to pack as much as I can in 450 words when I'm doing the Facebook mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so that's, that's kind of where that's at. It reminds me but, a little bit about, um, the river runs through it and Norman McLean. And, um, there's a part, you know, in the book and the movie, um, to where, Norman, as a young child, is his father. He was homeschooled. Right. Um, you know, his father was a preacher and a teacher, and um, he kept having to write this short story before he was able to go fly fishing. And you know, he's like, you know, it's a little long, half as long. And he come back and he goes, he goes, this is better, half as long. <laughs> he goes, oh, gets frustrated. Comes back, and he comes back and he goes, good. Now throw it away. <laughs> I always thought that was the best line in that movie. Yeah, because really you're 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 practicing, you're training as a child. Um, you know, as, and as much as you want to hold on to that, the work and your hard work that you, you know, that it's always good to put into perspective what um, what the practice is and what the game is, right? So to speak. You know, you're you're a sports fan like I am, so a lot of times I don't know if you do this, but a lot of times I make sports comparisons. In my work, you know, because, you know, if I can look at it as running a team or playing a sport, then it helps me kind of rationalize, okay, what does that mean? Rather than getting so um, attached to maybe some of the things that shouldn't matter in your creative process, you know, and some things do matter, you know, like what's the final product versus what's the process? Right. My, my, my biggest problem is um, not being able to let it go. It's, it's almost like my children, how your children start to grow up and you've got to let the rope out. That that's what it's like when you're writing a story. It's probably what it's like when you're doing a painting. Uh, when do you quit? When do you know it's good enough? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and of course I edit stuff to death and then I get people to look at it, but it's, it's, it's like you're putting yourself out there and you want it to be as perfect as it can be. But when, when is that point where you just stop? Okay, Mm -hmm. this is good. This is it. I've, I've reached that pinnacle with this story. I've reached that pinnacle with a painting like yourself. And uh, how do you know when it's really done? I guess it's never really done. I don't think they know? are ever really done. I mean, I still look at work going, eh, I yeah. could go back into that. Right. You and, know? It, and, and it's funny because I look at some of the things I wrote five years ago and I go, oh, gosh. I yeah. I re- maybe reworked that a little bit or thought about that a little bit longer, you know. And and some of the stuff I've taken back from years ago that never went anywhere and, I, and I've read written it Mm -hmm. you know so that that's that's always a lot of fun especially if you get that dreaded writer's block Mm -hmm. but i don't really seem to get that suffer from that so uh um, i don't write every day but um uh, i enjoy and it's it's writing it to me it's like artwork it really is you know putting together that perfect sentence Mm -hmm. and uh, you may have a 450 word uh, story and you got a couple really catchy sentences in there and that's really all you need you know to capture the audience so uh, i really really enjoy that yeah, go a good hook and catch the biggest fish for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's there's right. No doubt about that. That's right. So, 
And you mentioned sports. Go Dolphins. I think we're going to have a pretty decent year this year. You think so? I, I do. I think 8-8. Eight and eight, It would be. Uh, I, really? I, I really like the coach. In our tank season. I, I, well, you know, there's only one quarterback that I want, uh, but he's in Clemson, and I think, mm-hmm. he's two, I think he's two years out. I think so, that's one quarterback that everybody wants. Y- you know? Yes. Uh, I saw you him. want him too, don't you, John? Oh, yeah. He can transfer to Miami right now if he wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that game against Alabama, the national championship game, he, that kid was just, uh, you know, he's the real meal deal. I think. He's something he's, special. Yeah, I think he's going to be in the, the – when he gets into the NFL, that's going to be a 15-, 20-year career guy like a Tom mm-hmm. Brady. But uh, the physical skills and I size, think I think he's going to be better than Tom Brady because actually physically I think he's just going to be – a yeah. more dynamic character than right, and he's than, what was he seven eighteen eighteen years old yeah. uh, and against Clem, uh, against Alabama and he yeah. doesn't even have his man body yet right you know, which is scary so right. uh, Trevor Lawrence right? yeah Trevor yeah. Lawrence and, and um, who was the quarterback at Clemson that he basically took his job and, they, and that guy wanted to kind of transfer right? he was Deshaun Watson supposed to be Brian his uh, Brian Kelly yeah okay so and this guy was trying to find another job but I think um, Dabo, which I'll be honest with you, I mean, as a Florida State fan, I mean, you as a Miami fan, you got to you know respect this too. I got the biggest respect for him. Oh, yeah. As a football coach. He earned I it. I mean, he's, you know, somebody, I was talking to somebody, I can't remember who it was. We were kind of comparing Dabo to Saban because it's hands down, those are the two best coaches in football. Um, But I said to him, I said, well, the difference between Saban and Dabo is that Saban's trying to like win games and Dabo's trying to raise men. Right. Right. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And if you're a Miami fan, uh, Saban is Satan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've never forgiven him for lying to the Miami Dolphin fans and the, and the, and the team. Yeah. You know, it's and, a, uh, pretty crappy. Uh, you can't do that to Don Shula and, uh, you know, the Miami Dolphin fans, what he, what he did to us. But Dabo, yes, I, I don't know a lot about him. I know he's a very religious man. And, uh, you you can tell in any any interview with his players, his mm-hmm. players really care about him because he really cares about them. And I believe we got Clemson's Christian Wilkinson on the D line this year. Yes, absolutely. I'm really I'm really excited about the Dolphins season this year, and they're bringing back the white throwback uniforms. Which oh, they those should, are sweet. Yeah, which those they should be sweet. wearing all the time. Yeah, you know uh, why rebrand? That's we won our only championships wearing those uniforms. Yeah. And I don't get the rebranding of uh, NFL teams. Yeah, I don't like the the new slick little dolphin thing in the high no. high bright aqua you gotta you gotta keep the you gotta keep the uniforms traditional yeah i think so i i think so uh when the uh everyone just loves it when they roll out in that that deep aqua and in, uh, the, in the hard stripes like that it's just they just look so good you get a different feel yeah that, that's the best logo in the nfl mm-hmm. hands down yep. you know the new one somebody told me yeah it looks like a uh spring break Spring break tramp stamp tattoo <laughs> gone wrong, um, or a logo for SeaWorld. Some little, yeah, some little corporate logo. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but I, I don't know how menacing it looks for a uh, NFL team. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to be menacing, I guess, when you've got the Howard Johnson colors, yeah, know, the aqua and orange. But uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully, I, you know, I'm I'm predicting eight and eight. But I, I really like Coach Flores, and let's face it, he's coming from Belichick's tree. Yeah. Yep. You know, so. Uh, well, I, someone I, commented last week that they said that they haven't seen the Dolphins work this hard since Shula. Wow, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I, it was in the Miami Herald, actually. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and they came out to say, oh, we haven't seen it. I can't remember. It was a former Dolphin player that said that. So I haven't seen the Dolphins work this hard since the Shula days. That's pretty I incredible. don't know what former Dolphin that, that said that. It was reported in the Herald, though. Well, you guys are a lot younger than me, but I remember uh, when Shula came to Miami, 70, 70, 71, 72, 73, he didn't allow water on the practice field, if you can believe it, in South I don't think legally Florida. they can get away with that these days. They can't get away with that <laughs> today. Um but yeah, he. Uh, I think Shula started to get, uh, you know, he started to ease up, you know, mm-hmm. as his career progressed. Uh, but uh, in the early seventies, when he was trying to make that name for himself, you know, he he got beaten Super Bowl three by uh, Weeb Eubank and the New York Jets. So he was on a he was on a tear when he came to Miami. He mm-hmm. was he was going to win a Super Bowl. So, uh, but uh, anyway, big Dolphin fan have been all my life, and I know you are. So there's another yeah, it's kind of uh, connected I, I, by water. The yeah, Dolphins, right? you know, so. I bleed aqua and orange, and there's. I mean, I try to contain myself too when talking about it all the time. I'm just extremely passionate about it, probably more than any other team in any other sport for me. It's all like dolphins has always been number one with me. All my childhood memories go back to like me and my father and my brother and in my whole my whole family. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, I have four sisters and my brother. I mean, you could talk to my sisters just as much as you could talk to any man about sports. Oh, that's fantastic. Like they're, it's just a, completely a sports family, and like we live and die with the dolphins. Like, no matter how bad they are, I want them to win. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like this year, I mean, I'm not hopeful, but, man, I'm going to watch every game. Oh. You, I mean, I. I absolutely. Fact, absolutely. You know, probably, a lot of these people are saying, oh, they got to put a better product on the field and they got to, you know, do this and do that. And I'm not going to watch them anymore. I'm like, well, all right, have fun. You know, yeah. I'm watching them. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, I have to. It's funny. I'm a native Floridian. I was born in Jacksonville, but uh, the Miami Dolphins were the only pro team that we had mm-hmm. in the state of Florida. So uh, being in Jacksonville, um, you know, you were a Miami Dolphin fan. Right. I was born in 1962. I'm a little bit older. So I went through all those early years uh, with the team. Uh, but uh, when the Jacksonville got their franchise, I think in 1995, everybody said, well, you got to be a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. I said, no, yeah. no, I'm Miami Dolphins through. So through. were you still so. up in Jacksonville at the time when they, when the Jags came about? Uh, you I, were down here at that point. Uh, I was uh, 95. No, I was, I was in Orlando in 95. Okay. Um, so we got, sometimes we got the Jag games. Sometimes we got the Dolphin games. It depends. Mo- if you're in Orlando, most of the time you get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right. games. When did the Bucks come about? I mean, 76, 1976. 76? Yeah. You are yeah, a wealth yeah, of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, 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 you know, I, I, uh, the NFL in the seventies for me, I was like a nut. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I had every, every football card. Uh, I know all the Super Bowls up until like Super Bowl 12. I could tell you who the teams were mm-hmm. t- still to this day. I mean, it's useless trivia. Uh, but it's just ingrained into me, you know. Uh, all those early Dolphin teams were great. Larry Zonka's my—he's my favorite player, you know. Greasy Warfield. Yeah, I was just gonna about to ask you who, who your favorite was. Yeah, no, hands down, Larry Zonka, uh, toughest, yeah. toughest fullback uh, in the NFL ever, as far as I'm concerned. The only right. fullback to get penalized with an unnecessary roughness <laughs> when he knocked out a Buffalo Bills defensive back, like in 1970, I think it was. Love it. And. Um, you can Google that and, and see the video. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. He said Shula was yelling and screaming at me, but I kind of laughed about it. So, yeah. But he's a he's a cool guy who hunts and fishes up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, he is a cool know. guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him once at the out at the Miccosukee Casino one time. We went out to watch some game. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But some of the the seventy two class was there, and um, and some of the you know it was 
you know, Larry Little there and you know, stuff like that. It was really cool. I've met Larry Little and I've met Paul Warfield, both class act. Mm-hmm. Just consummate gentlemen. Yeah. Just the nicest guys down to earth you'd ever want to meet, you know. And uh, they actually like it when people come up to them because they think that they're forgotten, you right. know, because right. they played so long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, uh, yeah. Boy, if they only if they, when they got paid, if they can only get paid what they got paid get paid now. Ugh. I mean, they, back then they didn't make a fraction of that. Yeah, I think I, I think, um, I think I saw something where Bob Greasy was talking. He made like fifty thousand dollars his first year. Yeah, yeah something um, like that. Bo Camper was talking about um, on the radio not too long ago how when he came in he was making a hundred thousand dollars and he thought that was just like really making it. Right, and it was right. like the biggest contract on the team at the time. Oh yeah, the hundred grand because Bo Bo Camper came in he in the late seventies, I think mm-hmm. seventy six, seventy seven. He was drafted. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm still haven't forgiven him for Super Bowl seventeen against the Redskins when he yeah. didn't intercept that pass on the goal line. That's that, right. that may have. That's okay. You know, that's so you could blame a lot yeah. of people for <laughs> l- not tackling John Riggins either. But. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, who was that? Uh, I can't remember that DB that slid off of. Yeah, uh, slid right off. It was like water off a duck's back. Not even the end. Not even it. We'd have been all the glory there with David Woodley mm. as our. Wow, how do yeah. we get to Super Bowl seventeen? Yeah, yeah right. A- <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, you know, I get a really you know, with the Dolphins thing. You know, when I was twelve years old, my parents brought my brother and I to a, a cruise. And the previous year, they had a horrible experience on a cruise, so they got two vouchers for a cruise for the following year. And they're like, oh, well, this one's going to be free for us, so let's take the boys on this one. By no plan did they know this. We showed up there. It was happened to be the Miami Dolphins cruise. Oh, for nice. a 12-year-old kid who was a huge football fan to show up and get surprised with us. That's better than Disney World. Oh, man, it was yeah. the best. And I got to tell you, the players were cool as could be with everybody that was on the ship. I mean, they hung out with you. Like, so I got to know Mark Clayton, um, Joe Carter. I don't know if you remember running back Joe Carter. Oh, I sure do. Um, uh-huh. uh, Ron Davenport and uh, Mark Duper um, was were the guys that we really that really like hung out with everybody the most. And Mike Kozlowski it was really great with the kids. So and I'm going to roll some photos here. I got it here in the studio too of that just so people can see with a 12 year old kid. It was like kidney candy stores. It, it was the best thing. One point, Mark Clayton took me under his wing. He was looking at my parents and said, "Don't worry, I got him. I got him." And I was hanging out with him till like midnight as a twelve-year-old. My mom would have to come out of the room, say, "Mark, I need to take him back." Did you? Did you? Know? you did you hear any new words? Yeah, in that time, quite a few. Did you learn some new quite words? The education on that trip. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was all good, but Mark Clayton was class act. Yeah, I mean, really, it was just like you know, he was so good with all the kids, and there was college kids there, and you know, just young adults, and he was just like Mister Social. I'd love to have him on the podcast one day. That'd be fantastic. Oh yeah, that'd, yeah. Be, that'd be great. Talk about he was always Mark Clayton, um, it was Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, and Marino. Those are always my favorite. Right, you know, Dolphins. Yeah, you're a little bit younger than me, so uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that's good. Slightly, that's good. Yeah, I want to talk about what's on your face there. It reminds me of the Family Guy episode. You ever seen that one when the bird lands in his beard and then the environmentalists won't let them remove the bird because it's like, oh, once a bird finds its home, you got to let them stay there. Yeah, the the beard, uh, you know, being in the fire service for 20 years, never had the opportunity to, to, to try out my beard, to grow my beard. You know, I had the, when I was on vacation, you had the weekend, the wheat goat, you know, the, the goatee. But uh, uh, I decided in October, October 5th when I, um, uh, retired that uh, I'm not buying any razors for a while. And uh, it just kind of, uh, I had no idea what would happen with it. 
it's just kind of morphed into what you're seeing across the table from you today. It, it might need its, its own. It's majestic. It might need its own zip code. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I think I am going to trim it maybe here in a, in a few weeks. Uh, uh, the stylist who actually, uh, uh, Lucy, I, I if you're listening. I keep going if I were you. Yeah. I mean, all that hard work. She, she may shape it up a little bit, but, uh, um, uh, and then one of my buddies told me back in April, he goes, you know, you really ought to enter the Hemingway contest in Key mm-hmm. West in July because you're looking, you're looking pretty good there, you know? And, uh, and Hemingway, he didn't really, you know, he was kind of a slob. He didn't really, his beard wasn't manicured. Like you see these guys, uh, you know, that, uh, that are in the contest, everybody's manicured. You can tell that it's, everything's cut just perfect. And, uh, he goes, I think you, I think you got a shot. So I started growing it and growing it and, um, you know, and, and, um, Here's where we are today, and it's it's not any hotter out there. It's 92 degrees out there, just like it is for uh, you. It is mm-hmm. for me. I don't it, you don't feel the heat on it, so that's a misnomer, right? And uh, it's probably cleaner than a lot of people. Uh, there, there was a there was a report that came out that said beards have more more stuff in there, you know, in beards. Uh, you know, like a dog's mouth is supposedly cleaner than what you find in a guy's beard. But I take two showers a day, and I and I do the beard and I do the conditioning. So, uh, um, uh, it's just uh, uh, when you're out eating queso at a restaurant, you got to really pay attention to that. And and uh, you know, do you ever find things me. in there like I haven't hours yet. hours later that you're like, <laughs> oh, oh, how'd they get there? God, no, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> I haven't haven't yet. Um, but uh, like I said, I'm going to try to keep it uh, try to keep it tidy. You know, but. Uh, just uh, lay off the queso when I'm uh, when I'm at the restaurants, you know. How'd it go down in Key West? It was a blast. Uh, got down there. Like, what's it like? I've never even actually attended that that contest. Well, I haven't either. Um, I was going by the email when uh, when I, I registered back in May, um, and then they send you an email when they got confirmation that you were going to be in the contest. They give you instructions. Uh, they had um, Thursday night and Friday night were the preliminaries. And over that span of those two nights, they had 160 people signed 160 up. people? 160. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Did I you would, have I, any idea it was going to be that big? I had no idea there were going to be that many guys. Holy crap. I was thinking like a dozen and, uh, were going to show up. Right. No, they had uh, they had 60 guys the first night, and they whittled those guys down to 14. Mm-hmm. And my night was Friday night, and there was, there was over 80. There was almost 90 of us, and they whittled those 90. They whittled those down to like 14, 15, and then they had the final competition on Saturday evening. But uh, I was told to be there Friday at 5 o'clock to um, get checked in. Mm-hmm. Well, I go come walking into Sloppy Joe's, and I'm wearing a cable knit sweater, turtleneck <laughs> sweater, similar to what Ernest Hemingway had. And, and mind you, it's July. July. And uh, Key West. Uh, and if anybody out there has never been to Key West, it's like being in Africa uh, in July. So, uh it was I You do, you walk around and you're just soaking wet. Right. And I yeah. kid you not, Dennis, there was standing room only in there at five o'clock and the yeah. competition didn't start till six thirty. Wow. And sloppy Joe's gets warm. It gets mm-hmm. warm. It does. That it, that place gets really hot. Yeah. Uh the ceiling fans were on helicopter mode, but it wasn't helping. Um people had all the tables. There was absolutely no place to sit down. Um I guess I had this illusion that there was going to be this nice big air-conditioned room where all the papas were going to be waiting before they get called <laughs> up on stage. Well, I was uh, I was gravely mistaken, uh, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, brought a bunch of people down with me to cheer me on, which was always helpful. Um, 
but just a just a great time. Like I was talking to you, but uh, when I arrived this morning, I'm thinking about maybe doing it again next year. Uh, yeah. it, it was that much fun. And then they have a lot of other activities with a different, with a different wardrobe. Yeah, the different wardrobes. No, no were, cable knit sweater. Yeah, the, yeah, no, no cable knit sweater for me next year. As a matter <laughs> of fact, when I walked in, one of the older gentlemen that's uh, he'd been participated before. He goes, "Your first time, right?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, I can tell by the sweater." <laughs> I said, "Well, you know, I was trying to make that first impression, but uh, uh, I, I think I lost about five pounds that night, which was the good good news because I actually." Packed on about twenty to get to look more Hemingway esque, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, he he was kind of a husky guy, but uh, yeah, the sweater probably not such uh, wasn't one of my better ideas. Let's let's put it that way. That's all right. But so you uh, still want to do it though? Yeah, Again. I do. I do because um, uh, I had a lot of people come up to me the night of wanting to get their picture taken with me, mm-hmm. and um, the next day, Saturday, I didn't make the final cut for Saturday night, so I was off the hook, so I could just relax. How far did you make it in that whole? I d- I didn't make thing. it past the first round. Okay, so I didn't even have to go back Saturday night. But uh, we yeah, bumped that's a lot of people. It is, and uh, we bummed ar- we bummed around Key West all day Saturday, and people actually remembered me from the night before, uh, which I thought was great. Oh, mm-hmm. you were good. You look great. Blah 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 blah. And then when the Papas did the running of the Bulls, those were all former contestants and stuff. I was mm-hmm. taking pictures, and they were come, they had to come right in front of me to come around the corner of the street here in Duval, and they were shaking. The what? Up. They do the running of the Bulls. Really? Yes. Like in Spain? Like in Spain, but these Bulls. <laughs> Are they, bring, they don't bring out real Bulls. In no, they, they don't. They don't bring out real Bulls. Like dogs? They're, 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 no, they're Bulls. They're, uh, they're fake Bulls on wheels. And the oh. pop, Papas sit on the Bulls, and they're pushed through, <laughs> they're pushed through the streets. <laughs> I got to come down with you next year you, you got it no it, i'm serious it, I'm, it, it, count it, me in okay i'm, I'm, I'm serious I, i'd love to have you on i gotta my team. see this i'd love to have you on my team but uh um so that was a lot of fun and they and they were saying hey dude you you, you look good you should do it again you should do it again and i thought hey these guys don't have to say that you know mm-hmm. that that's pretty neat but uh um back up a little bit when i i got called up on the stage they give you 15 seconds to promote yourself why you think you look like hemingway Mm-hmm. And uh, the mic gets cut off at 30 seconds. So I was short and sweet, but uh, I brought the uh, Florida Sport Fishing Magazine up on stage. And uh, I, I think I said, look, my father gave me the love of the ocean and fishing. Uh, Hemingway gave me the love for the written word. I said, by the way, you can check me out. Uh, fish, fishy story in this Shameless month's fun. issue of Florida Sport Fishing Magazine right here on a newsstand near you. You know, And I even had extra copies for the judges if, if they wanted to read it. So uh, I got some good pictures on stage with that with the magazine. So uh, um, I thought it was pretty funny. But, That's uh, cool. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was an I'm experience. I'm happy you did that, though. I, mean, I am, too. I am, yeah. too. Just the camaraderie with the, with the Papas and, uh, you know, being down there with my buddies. I've never been to the Keys, but those two particular guys before, we had a blast. I mean, I I got Is back. The same guys, like, every year? I don't mean to cut you off. But... Uh, the contestants? Yeah. Yeah, some of these guys make it, uh, you know, they pilgrimage down there every year. I think the guy who actually was chosen this year was his 20th year competing. Uh, there were a couple You're guys, me. I'm not kidding you at all. There were a couple guys there that have been doing it for 15 years. Uh, and there were some rookies like me. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they take it very, very seriously that the whole Hemingway society down there, they take that very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to say anything bad about Ernest Hemingway or, sure. or anything like that. They, uh, they take it very seriously and these, these guys really get into it. And, um, some of them are dead ringers. Some of them are just doing it, you know, just, just to have fun and, uh, it's uh, some of the guys got up there when it was their turn and they sang, they had little rhymes, uh, you know, you name it. Um, 
um, they would say it. So yeah. I'm not sure what some of the stuff was meaning, but uh, um, but <laughs> I'd know, imagine were, I'd imagine there was a lot of alcohol flowing too. You know, well, so. I'd imagine that too. <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine that the Hemingway Society. They, I mean, it's, it, they don't want to make a mockery of the thing. I mean, they want to be yeah you know, respectful to the whole legend of Hemingway and the the, the entire estate. Right, right, so, right, right, right. For sure. Yeah. But uh, no, definitely would do it again, and I'd love for you to join us next year. Uh, give you some good intel on uh, where to stay. Uber is essential. I mean, it's it's so great to have an Uber, and, you know, uh, especially when you're in Key West, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. But Yeah, uh, for sure. But uh, it, was an, it was an excellent time. I highly recommend it. Uh, people go, why do they do it in July? Well, Hemingway's birthday is July 21st. He turned 120 this Oh, there you go. So that's why it's in July and not in December or January mm-hmm. when it would be wonderful to wear a cable knit sweater. You Did know? Papa's Polar get involved with that event at uh, all, or, um, or they kind of stay away? If, if they're involved, there wasn't there wasn't like a bunch of sponsorship banners and stuff hanging mm-hmm. around like there would be like for our fishing tournament, for instance. Right. Uh, I'm not so I'm not sure who's who's uh, who's involved if there's sponsors. Um, it's a $35 registration fee. The contestants, we all got this t-shirt that I'm wearing today, which I really, really like. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure, but there was a lot of Papa's Pilar flowing out of the, out of the bar though. Yeah. I heard people asking for that. So I, I, I'm not a rum drinker. I just, I'm a beer, light beer guy. So, um, but it was, it was flowing pretty good, but, uh, but a fun time, uh, if you're into Hemingway, it's a must, especially for somebody like you, because I know you're a big Hemingway fan as well. Um, I think you would have a, I think you would have a blast if you went down there. Yeah. We'll yeah. make it happen. Let's do it. I want to back up for a second. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your time working for the Boynton fire. Sure. Um, you know, you know, we talked a little bit about the tournament, um, that you're the co-creator of, um, which to me is, is a really great tournament. Cause that kind of in my, in South Florida kind of kicks off meat season, um, that tournament's like one of the first ones that happens. Right. And it's a really big event. You always get a great, you know, turnout for it. Um, how did that evolve? Because, you know, you know working, you know, at, you know, for the fire department, um, you know, you got a bunch of guys that like the fish. I mean, what, because the Boynton Fire one specifically is the best one around as, as, for, as far as any other fire tournament. Well, I, I, um, I, first of all, nobody was, no fire department was doing a fishing tournament at the time. We had already been doing a golf tournament for a few years for because um, our chief, our fire chief, is uh, big into golf. Uh, and one of our battalion chiefs had a daughter who was diabetic. So we started a uh, golf tournament uh, for the juvenile, and with, which proceeds would go to our benevolent association to help mm-hmm. pay for Christmas parties. But part of the proceeds would go to the charity, the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. Well, it was great, but there's a lot of us that don't golf. You know, I, I'm not a golfer. I'm a fisherman. So um, Steve Lewis, I went down to the Keys with him last week. Uh, he came into my office one day. He was our public information officer. He goes, you know, what do you think about a fishing tournament to raise some money? And I said, that's a wonderful idea. I said, we have an inlet in our own backyard. Uh, we had two, two of our firefighters die of cancer kind of back-to-back at that time, and our charity of choice was going to be the American Cancer Society. Uh, so we kind of decided to put together a fishing tournament. Had absolutely no idea what we were doing. This was 2004, 2005, 2004. Um, this coming up April, this next April will be our 15th year, but we had no idea what we were doing. 
Uh, it was a grassroots effort. Uh, we got some people who were interested uh, at the department, people who are interested in fishing. Uh, we kind of, uh, you know, we, we do everything structured in the fire department. So I, I mapped out an incident command structure, little boxes, and I placed, I placed, uh, you know, what needed to be done in the boxes and then the people's names below those boxes that I felt could get those tasks completed. And um, uh, we, we did that. We kicked off in April. Um, it was kind of always the plan to, to be like the first tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was, uh, you know, we really thought that out. And, um, but April can be sketchy with the weather, but we actually have only not fished one year out of those 14 due to weather. Right. But we still gave all the prize money away during that, that year. But anyway, we started with 43 boats. Uh, we had a chalkboard for a leaderboard. It's actually a pretty good start. Pretty boats. good start. I was out there with a four-foot level drawing chalk lines on mm-hmm. our chalkboard that we stole from Station One, <laughs> and uh, we had a little meat scale and a bus tub, and we were out there. We trying to cup, you know, the bright, bright light so we could read the weight of the fish. Um, so we really had humble beginnings, but uh, you've been a part of it for the last ten, so you've kind of seen what it's morphed into. And a lot of people say it's one of the finest fishing tournaments in South Florida. Um, we do a great job with the captain's meeting, our artwork, yours, uh, that we've been using is second to none. And, um, we typically, it's nothing now to get 120 boats fishing yeah, I was say, a- every like year. Like 120 is pretty normal now. Yeah. Right? And, uh, our charity of choice has changed, uh, like three times right now. Um, proceeds go to our benevolent and half the proceeds go to the Boynton Beach, uh, Boynton Beach Kiwanis club. They have a reading program for children. And uh, last year, we were actually able to present them a check for $8,000. Fantastic. So this is not just uh, a bunch of firemen not knowing what they're doing. We're actually giving back to the community. The $8,000 is quite a bit of money. So yeah. uh, we're very, very proud of it. Uh, you got chili cook-off bolted to that, too. We right? do, and that was another that was another um, something different. Uh, we said, well, you know, you have a fishing tournament. Uh, everybody's out there fishing. If anybody else wants to be involved, there's nothing for them to do but come down somewhere and wait for a weigh-in. So why don't we do like a chili cook-off while they're waiting, a mm-hmm. uh, bounce house for the kids, snow cone machine for the kids, and uh, vendors, art vendors. Um, we have a guy that barbecues. Uh, we sell beer. We sell uh, um, tickets for food. We kept, our benevolent has uh, all the T-shirts and hats for sale. So it's it's really a family event. Uh, it starts at noon and is typically all done by seven o'clock on a, on that whatever date that is on a Saturday evening. So we're very proud of that. It came from humble beginnings, and uh, actually we started getting a lot of fire departments reaching out to us. Uh, a friend of mine down in Hollywood, Mike Osgood, contacted me three years ago, and he said, "Look, we want to start a fishing tournament in our department." And uh, he goes, I heard you guys are the best. And I said, uh, well, I don't know if we're the best, but we're pretty passionate about it. And sometimes that's all it, all you need is the passion. So I said, well, look, Mike, don't reinvent the wheel. I'll send you everything I got, you know, the model and everything. And I sent it down to him. I invited him to the captain's meeting. I invited him to the day of tournament. And uh, he was very, very impressed. And now Hollywood just completed their second tournament this past June. So awesome. they're they're up and running. So uh, we were kind of the model for, for Hollywood Fire Rescue. So uh, That's great. I mean, it's um, such a such a community-involved aspect to your tournament and then how the how that translates to other departments i mean it's it's really nice to kind of cross over right you know and and see how that um expounds and exponentially grows out you know and it's all through fishing it, it's it, connected it, by water connected right? by water yeah connected by water it's fantastic. I, absolutely right yeah that's really really great i mean you know i want to talk if 
you don't mind, a little bit about some of um, your time at the department in general. And this also, to me, in my mind, speaks to, um, you know, what the tournament means and how that is good with the community outreach and everything that you guys do. Because uh, you guys are in the community, you know, every day. I mean, obviously, you're retired now, but you're still keeping contact with everybody. Have you seen kind of an evolution of when you first started at the department to some of the daily tasks of what some of those things have evolved to? Um, maybe I'm not wording this question right. It, you do a lot of dirty work. And I don't think a lot of people see that. A lot of people get this idea in your head, in their heads that, you know, a firefighter, yeah, they're also EMTs, but they don't see 90% of what you guys are actually doing. And I think it's pretty, I think it's important to shed a light on what you guys really go through because it's tough. It's a tough life, man. It, 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 it is. And uh, it's funny, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I remember when I got promoted and I was in an administrative role, I would see these young kids come through the door I mean, just so young looking. And then you look at that same uh, uh, child. I call them children because they're so damn young. But uh, you look at that same person two years later, and it's a hardened, mm -hmm. different looking person uh, because of what they see. I mean, PS, PTSD is very real in our profession, as it is with all first responders. Um, you know, they're not just sitting around in, in uh, the big action-ready chairs watching TV or watching fire trucks. 90% uh, of what all fire rescue agencies do in South Florida is emergency medical services. You know, that is taking people to the hospital, the, the elderly, that sort of thing. Uh, I-95, the motor vehicle accidents. We don't fight as many fires mm -hmm. down here in South Florida, which is a good thing, and that's a testament to the building codes. But, uh, yeah, on a on a on a day-to-day -day basis um, – uh, these people, these kids, I call them, they, they see a lot of bad things. Uh, we just had a 14-year-old uh, boy die a week and a half ago on one of the canals yeah. who was, uh, he was in a uh, flats boat, and uh, they went under the bridge, and uh, he, he hit the bridge, and uh, our dive team had to uh, had to recover the body. He was, you know, that's so tough. That's very, very tough, it, but that's just, uh, that's a, that's, that's everyday life. That's it's real, and that mm -hmm. and that happens every day. And a lot of people don't they don't get that. So when they when they start talking about oh the firefighters have a great pension blah 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 blah, um, they've got to think about what twenty year twenty five year career does to somebody. You mm -hmm. know, seeing that day in and day out. Um, yeah. So uh, also usually when people want to start talking about what you do for a living and you really get into the, the nuts and bolts of it, they kind of they kind of say, "Well, I kind of wish I wouldn't have asked." Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? For sure. So, so, uh, but uh, it's a great profession. I would highly recommend it. Uh, there's no more cradle to grave jobs in the real world in the private sector. So, uh, you know, firefighting in, in South Florida is lucrative. The, the guys they make good money. They do have good pensions, and uh, but yeah, but uh, they earn it. They earn it. Uh, what they take home with them every shift, uh, you know, a mm -hmm. little piece of you is, is gone every shift, something, you know, it seems like. But uh, it, that, that's a very real, real impact on, on people. So We often think about that here, um, you know, about how fortunate we are to do what we do here in the studio. And, um, you know, we work hard, you know, and we put our, like, all effort into everything we produce here. And, you know, we bust our butts we work the hours but you know we also keep the perspective like you know guys like you and your team and the guys that you work with you know the police the fire and that's why we support um all those organizations here 
and the veteran organizations. We had Freedom Fighters on not too long ago, and you know, Freedom Fighter Outdoors is is the big um, you know, charity that we support here at the studio. Right. Um, because we often put things in perspective like that. Like no matter how hard your day is, no matter you know how hard that customer was, or you know how big the project was, or how hot the sun was that day, it's nothing compared to what guys like you right. guys like you know the veterans that have to go through well it, it puts a lump in your throat when somebody looks at you and, and asks am i gonna die today yeah you know and you have you have to be honest and tell them you know i always said no not on my watch we're gonna do everything we can to get you to the hospital and yeah and uh make this right but uh um what we learn over time is it's not our emergency it's the person having the emergency we're there to try to mitigate that and help as much as we can so that's mm-hmm. kind of the mindset that we have but uh, yeah over over 20 25 year career those calls they add up but we kind of know that going in so yeah. uh, the biggest thing that we do is talk to each other you know we may laugh at something that you might find repulsive but that's just our way of dealing with it sometimes sure you know so but uh, i come from a family of nurses too so i got, oh, okay. kind of got to throw nurses into that conversation as well oh absolutely what they deal with absolutely the nurses are godsend god love them god bless yeah. them uh, they're on their feet for 12 hours and a shift in an er so that's not easy to do right you know for sure so, which, um, which i got a, a list of quotes here in front of me with the, the hemingway um stuff and I was say there's one here that says it was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. And that's I think that segues right into what we're talking about. Uh, that's a that's a interesting quote that kind of sums up what we were just talking about. I I believe. Yeah. You know, um, it uh, it it does. It's a that's a quote that hits home right there. Yeah. So yeah. I see now though that you are on the other side, right, and transitioning away from that mindset. And putting that power of your soul, and I know you have a great soul, you really do, and that's one of the things I love most about you. Um, but you're putting the power of that soul into your work, into your creative work, right? And it shows to me, you know, and and it, it's it's been impressive. Um, how do you feel about that when you're, you know, doing your photography and you're doing your writing now, and you've stepped away from that life and now into this life? I mean, do you often think about, um, you know? The contrast? Uh, or do you not just, you not think about it at all, really? No, I, I can't help but think about it. Um, uh, the uh, call that I was talking to you about where the uh, the 14-year-old boy fell out of the boat, mm-hmm. um, I texted the chief that night, the fire chief. You know, I've been retired since October, but I, you know, I haven't, I have contact back and forth. I texted him and said, look, I don't know if you know what's going on. Because he lives down in Delray, it was it was a weekend, so uh, I said you might want to check with the BC, make sure the critical incident stress, stress debriefing team is going to be there for the guys. Because I understand it was a child, fourteen, and a lot of them are parents, and they're they're having a hard time dealing with it. So sure. it wasn't my place to even do that, but I, I I couldn't help not to do it because I sensed that that was going to be that was going to be where we needed to be as admin in the fire department. We need to be on top of that and make sure that our people are being taken care of. So uh, maybe I was out of bounds, but uh, he thanked me. So I guess, I guess that's, that's okay. But uh, on a day-to-day basis, no, um, when I'm doing the writing and the photography, you know, I'm not the best writer. I'm not the best uh, photographer, but you'll find, you'll be hard pressed to find somebody as passionate. And uh, that's kind of the way I go into the, go into the work. Yeah. I think you're being a little humble there, but yeah, that that's, part of who you are well, that's you the know. we talked about that uh, humility in that first yeah. quote so yep, uh, for sure yeah so connected by water it's a deeper 
than just saying, hey, we're all friends. Absolutely. Right? You yeah, know, absolutely. It, it, it's really there's something that the water does and the sea does to you. Yeah. That changes everybody. And we always talk about it on the show. And, John, you got to stop me if I talk about this aspect too much. I got you. <laughs> um, to where, like, when you go fishing with someone, you know, and I've probably said this for, like, what, four episodes in a row, right? But if you go when you go fishing with someone and you fish all day with them, it's almost like you're bonded for life. It's just like the the ocean and the experience of fishing. Just something comes over you. Well, you're on a, you're on a quest. Yeah. Um, went sword fishing, like I said, with Chris back in uh, March with three of his clients from Connecticut. I'd never fished with these three guys before. Mm-hmm. And you're on a 27 foot boat, and you're out there for eight hours, and the space is very limited. So you do you become a crew, you become a team, you root for each other. Um, there's times where I walk into the uh, up to the bow, and I want to zone out, where I just want to mm-hmm. look around at the the ocean, take pictures of the, uh, just the water itself. That's how much I love being out there. Sometimes I feel like I like being out there on the water more than I do on land. That might be a little scary, but, uh, there's just, to me, seeing that deep blue water, you know, is just mesmerizing and it's quiet out there. Uh You know, you don't hear the sounds from, from Boynton, the trains and the horns and all that stuff. So it's very therapeutic, but yeah, you, you're out there with guys and, uh, you, you become a team and you're, and you're really forever bonded, especially now with social media. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you how many friends I've gotten over the last 10 years on Facebook that I've fished with, with Chris, you know, and everybody wants a picture. So it's a domino effect, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, we are we're connected by water. Let's face it. 60% of our body is salt water, you know? So the ocean, it really does. It really does move us. Yep. It does. It does. And I've, I've always been mesmerized by it. I remember my mom taking me to Jacksonville beach when I was about five years old. And I don't know if you've been up to Jack's beach, but they used to have some have nice, been, actually, yeah. the nice sand dunes. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And ran up that sand dune, ran down to the water's edge and looked at that vast ocean out there. It was just mesmerized. Mm-hmm. And there was a distant smoke of a ship on the horizon, like Pink Floyd song. And it was like, even at five, I was, where is he going? You know, I wanted to know yeah. where is that ship going? And I was just mesmerized, just frolicking in the surf, you know, playing in the surf, too too little to get out there. But uh, I, I still remember that. It's probably one of the fondest childhood memories I have, you yeah. know, seeing yeah. the ocean for the first time. And then, you know, of course, in Jacksonville, the water is nothing like it is here. It's not as pretty up there because you have to go so far out, you know, to get to the yeah, blue the water. Yeah, the shell's uh, super wide out there. Yeah, 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 30 to 60 miles, you start getting into blue water, you know, here. No, we're, we're, we know. I'm not into yeah. boat rides anymore at my yeah. age. You know, like, yeah, you know, 20 miles out for the swords is a yeah, big deal for me now. It's a flat, <laughs> calm day. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. But uh, yeah, we're connected by water, and uh, you know, the ocean's always been important to me, and I've, I've got to live by an ocean. So yeah, right. And uh, I don't want to. I don't want to check out yet, but that's where I want to be buried. I want my ashes scattered somewhere between Jacksonville and uh, Palm Beach County, out there in the big blue somewhere one day. Well, we got it on record, so. All right, all right. (laughs) What was this thing you posted the other day? Um, This boat with with the that you I guess was there. You took a picture of it down in Key West, like the the Michael on the bow. Oh, oh, what was that boat? Yeah, that was uh, that was. uh, (laughs) I wanted to ask you about that. (laughs) That was at Robbie's, famous Robbie's. Oh, was it Robbie's? That was at Robbie's. Uh, We'd stopped there for lunch on the way down Friday. And uh, we had to feed the tarpon. Uh-huh. You know, you have, you have to do that. And uh, right right inside the, uh, right there where we were paying for our bucket of um, uh, pilchards, uh, there was a picture of that drift boat, and it said Captain Michael. So I said, hey, buddy, you know, uh, one of my friends, uh, another firefighter, 
I said, hey, take this picture of me. So I'm just pointing at it, you know, Captain Michael. So that was that was it. It was just oh, some, okay. it, it was just some decoration. I thought that <laughs> all right. My bad. I thought that was like something that has to do with your dad on and no, fishing under, maybe that was a, I got that my lines crossed on something like no, that. No, 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 no. I think I think I had his I had his dog tag on. Uh, that's what it was. Which I wear when I travel because him and I traveled all over the place when I was young. Uh, my dad essentially raised me and my two younger brothers because okay. uh, my mom uh, passed away at an early age. So um, I have fond memories of traveling with him, and he took very good care of us. So when I travel, I wear his dog tag. Mm-hmm. He was in the Korean War, 1950 to 54. My dad was in the Korean War, too. Uh, well, we're connected by more than just water. Yeah, right. Uh, he was on the island of Guam for four years. Um, uh, and when he passed away, I got a lot of his things, and his, I found his dog tags. In what there, branch so. was it? The Navy. He, he was in the Air Force. In the, oh, my dad was in the Air Force too. He was in he the was Air stationed, Force. My, my dad was stationed in Italy, though. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. he was worked at Tower. I think it was in Milan, something somewhere like northern Italy. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah my my dad graduated high school out of Jacksonville, uh, went right into the Air Force, did his four years, got out of the Air Force, started at the Federal Aviation Administration, mm-hmm. and he was there for the next thirty five years. And he actually retired in 1987, and he was 56 years old, just like I was when I retired. Wow, look so, at that! Yeah. So, uh, um, but I anyway, see a pattern here. yeah. So when when I when the picture was taken, I saw the dog tag, and I said, "Well, you know, if people are going to ask, well, I'll just explain it right up front." Yeah. So, but yeah, the boat, cool. but the boat was kind of just, "Hey, it says uh, Captain Michael." I kind of like the way that sounded. Yeah. You, know? so. <laughs> <laughs> you um, I think you need to come out with a book, by the way. A lot like of, combined with your photography and your writing? Yeah, and uh, um, I don't have the attention span to write a novel, but it would be a book of short stories right. in the photography. And I, I'm probably going to get serious about that one of these days because I've got enough now where I could, I think I actually could fill small, small coffee table book. Mm-hmm. So maybe that might be in the works. Yeah, you sure. You never know. And uh, I may need somebody to design a nice cover. We'll do it. For it. So uh, we'll do it. You know, there, Dennis. And hint, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Come on. We'll make it happen. You know we will. Um, I want to run through. I got a couple more quotes printed out here. Now, I usually don't do these with any notes, but the, just so everyone can see, if you're playing along at home, we have Hemingway quotes here that we wanted to kind of bring up. I think that were important to what we do here. Um, always do sober. What you said you'd do drunk. That will teach you to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to elaborate on that one, I don't but know. I, that's always been one of my favorites. I don't need. I, I don't think we need to elaborate. It's pretty self-explanatory, <laughs> and uh, that'll it'll teach you to keep your mouth shut. That's for sure. Right. So, um, um, don't do as I do, do as I say. That type of thing. But uh, you know, very interesting quote indeed. There is. Uh, it's it's a truism. That that's for sure. It's a truism. No, doubt about no, it. no truer words were ever spoken. There is nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed. That's uh, absolutely the case, especially if you're writing something that's going to be uh, emotional for you. Uh, I believe in writing about what I know. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, sometimes you do. You just sit there and you just bleed out. All your emotions come out on that page, and that, and that's what it's all about. So that that's a wonderful Hemingway quote. Yeah, it's always been one um, of my favorites, too. Um, uh, he he had a bunch of interesting quotes, uh, but I always like the I always go back to the feud that he had with author William Faulkner, mm-hmm. who was his contemporary. Um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Faulkner's work, 
work, but he's a very eloquent writer using long form, long yeah. form, mm -hmm. uh, big words, even though he was a short story author. But uh, him and Hemingway went back and forth, kind of, kind of needling each other, like who was the best. And and Faulkner once said that uh, Hemingway never forces his reader to search for a dictionary. They they don't need a dictionary when they when they read Hemingway's work. And of course, Hemingway shot back in his raucous style that you know that poor bastard Faulkner. Uh, does he really think big emotions come from big words? Right. So they, even though they never met, they went back and forth and. Uh, uh, incidentally, uh, you know, Ernest Hemingway, he passed away in, uh, uh, July, 1961. Faulkner died the next July, 1962. So they were, they were almost the exact same age, died under different circumstances. I was, gonna, I was just going to ask, yeah. how did Faulkner die? Faulkner, he passed away of a heart attack okay. in 1962. And, um, so it was, it was very interesting, but you know, they had a, they never met face to face, but they did bicker, I guess, through, through the newspapers and, mm -hmm. and whatnot, or when they, when they were interviewed. So, but, uh, um. Interesting, interest, interesting stuff. You know, the, the funny, my my um, partner and friend, uh, Harris, was just over in Bimini a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't realize that Old Man in the Sea was written there. I always thought he wrote that in Havana. Yeah, I, I, I'm i kind of on your side there. I thought he wrote that in Cuba. Yeah, I thought um, he did too. Now, it was a short story featured in Life magazine in mm -hmm. 1952. And the whole book, was in the Life magazine. You know, it, it, it's not a very long book. Right. Uh, it's a short story, but uh, uh, it was featured in Life magazine in 52, but I thought that he had penned most of that in um, Havana. I'm going to look I, into I'm with that. You. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research that a little bit more too. But, uh, um, yeah, I know it wasn't written at the, you know, it's his house in, in, uh, in Key West. Well, what he, did he, he wrote for whom the bell tolls there, right? I think he wrote that at the Hemingway house, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. And, uh course we had to visit the Hemingway house uh, on Saturday when we were in the Keys and kind of pay homage since we were there for a yeah. Papa lookalike contest yep. but uh, no that uh, you know Old Man in the Sea great book uh, the Spencer Tracer Tracy movie was kind of hokey but uh, um, yeah still fun to watch as a kid yeah I'd love to see it remade mm -hmm. you know, I'd love to see it I'd love to see that remade with with, with today's CGI technology who do you think that, that would play Hemingway you know they had that Hemingway and um who who Gellhorn movie and that one British actor guy played him. And I thought that was the most horrible choice for a Hemingway. Yeah. Uh, well, if we're thinking about Old Man in the Sea, we're thinking about the old man character. Well, no, but even know, just, 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 uh, who is, well, I don't know what the name of that actor is. I'll, I'll, I, I can't remember his name. But he, he's some, he's been in a, you know, a few. Wasn't Liam Nilsson, was it? No. No, no, no. no okay. No, it wasn't anyone poetic by any stretch of the means and yeah. it was with Nicole Kidman I, I don't know if the name, name escapes me but I just thought that was just a horrible choice for Hemingway yeah I, 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 I don't know if there's any actor in Hollywood that it would probably have to be an unknown mm -hmm. I don't see anybody that, uh, that that's in current Hollywood that, that could pull that off <laughs> although Tom Hanks is could be Mr. Rogers this Thanksgiving so yeah. well, um, who would be the old man though Ah, you know that's interesting. That's interesting. I, um, have to be someone of Hispanic descent. Have think, to be. Right? Have to be somebody of, of Edward James Olmos. Wow, maybe that, that, that's a thought. But uh, he he may be even up there in age now, huh? The old I, man of the sea. Old man of the sea. That that's a that's an interesting thought. Maybe that's an know. interesting thought. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'd have to think more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Be kind of cool. They should remake that into a movie. They should, especially now today. I mean, they could probably really make. 
the whole scene of the fish uh, with the you, technology, you know, with the CGI and everything. And oh yeah, the way know. the way Hemingway describes. I'm really trying to get at is to be an artist for this movie. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Consultants. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to drum it up yourself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, the way he describes the color, the you know, the lavenders and the, the deep blues of the marlin, and the way it's, it's mm-hmm. described. I mean, there was no way they could show that in 1950s Hollywood in black and white. You know, right. and then it was a hokey fish mount that was lashed to the side of the boat. So uh, it would be it'd be fun to see a remake of it. it yeah, would, it no, would, that would it, be. It would. I want to leave off with um, one thing, but don't read into this one too much. Um, Every man's life ends the same way. It is only the details of how he lived and how he died that distinguish one man from another. I'm not saying you're anywhere near close to this. So I don't, don't read into that. But... I want to say, like, with the way you've lived thus far and, you know, the way you're living now, um, I think you definitely distinguish yourself from one man from another um, in a very positive way. Um, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, where you take, you know, this next step of your path because, you know, I'm excited about everything that you've got going on. Um, but, you know, take me through just like one last time being a Florida native making this state your life because you really have um, in every possible way what sort of sense of pride do you have about Florida that you could share with the rest of our audience here well um, I do love the state Florida means flowery peninsula uh, love the wildlife um, I take exception to people talking about Florida man and all the memes that I see. It really upsets me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, one-third of the people that live in Florida aren't from Florida. Everybody mm-hmm. from Florida actually moves away. Right. I'm a fellow native, by the way, so I can relate to that. Yep, yep. That's fantastic. That's probably why we get along so well. Right. Um, but, no, I'm, I, I, I'm, a lo- I'm a very loyal person. Uh, when I befriend somebody, I'm very loyal and would probably do most anything for anybody. And that's the way I feel about my home state. Um, I'm, I'm proud to be a Floridian. There's not many of us natives left. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's a beautiful state. The wildlife is second to none. I mean, the species of birds. Uh, our, our fish is the selfish, which is my absolute favorite fish to photograph. Um, you know, uh, it's got springs. It's got some hills. It's got flatlands. It's got Everglades. Uh, we got the Florida Keys, which is Florida's playground, is what I call them. Um, and there's a lot of rich history here. You know, there there really is, uh, from the space program to the sponge fishermen off the uh, West Coast. You know, all the way up to Cedar Key, Florida's other keys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a very diverse state with with diverse population and diverse people. And I'm I'm very proud to be a Florida yeah. native and and to live here and call it call it home. As am I. I always call the Keys the jewel of our state. Yep. You know, and, um, but, you know, you're quite the Renaissance man, Michael Landis, <laughs> you know, and I, I admire you deeply and I'm very happy and thankful that you joined us today. We are truly connected by water and, um, I'd love to have you on again very soon. Well, I appreciate that, Dennis. I appreciate the invite and, uh, we'll see if we can get that, that captain Chris Lemieux here down here with us the next time we do it. Yeah. We'll, we'll double team you and tell you some real fun fishing stories, but uh, 
appreciate you having me today. It's been an honor, and uh, I really dig in your new studio here. Thank it's you. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's fun. It's only getting better. Yep. You know, next time we'll have maybe some some beer for you on the table. Well, if we do the afternoon cast, yeah, the afternoon, uh, then we'll the we'll do session. it. Ten o'clock in the morning, still a little early, but yep. uh, but uh, the afternoon session will be great. Awesome. Don't shave your beard off, please. Oh, you got it. Keep it for me. All right. <laughs> All <laughs> hey, right. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Michael. Have a good day. Thank you too. See you. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Spend your Saturdays with Life on the Water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.